I've started every week of this series by telling the same story. Because I, I think it's one of the most powerful stories that I've ever heard. And it sets the premise for the entire series that we're doing here in the month of October called Dangerous Prayers. The premise is real, real simple. Bold prayers honor God and honor, and God honors bold prayers. We live our lives as Christians, as Christ followers, and we have this incredible gift called prayer. And yet we throw up these weak, timid, run-of-the-mill, recited prayers, and we wonder why God's not moving on our behalf. Years ago, the generation before Jesus ever even came to earth, there was a drought. It was the biggest drought in the history of Israel. The prophets of old were no longer around, and the children of God, the Israelites, literally thought God had abandoned them. It had been years since they had seen the prophets come and speak on behalf of God. It had been years, literally generations, since they had seen the prophets come perform miracles. The people literally thought that God had forsaken them and left them to die. I say this every week. Rain's one of those things that you don't really think about until there is no rain. When there is no rain, the crops don't grow. And when there is no rain, the animals and the livestock don't get the nourishment they need. And when there is no rain, the humans, the people, don't get the nourishment that's needed. You can't bathe yourself. You can't clean yourself. So now you have dying animals and you have crops that aren't growing and disease because people are unsanitary. And this is what was happening in this time, the largest drought in history. Everyone had given up hope. And I am convinced that the most dangerous place you can be in the world is to be in a place where there is no hope. When you lose hope, you lose the ability and the will and the desire to hang on, and that's where these people were. Everyone had given up hope, and I've shared this every week, except for one old man. They say he lived on the outskirts of town right past the gate, and he was known for one thing and one thing only. He was a little eccentric. He was a little kooky. He was that guy. I tell you, every town has that guy. I told you when I grew up, I grew up at that time. It was a small town, Decula, Georgia. And my entire life growing up, we had Chicken Man. And Chicken Man rode around with a bicycle, and he had a chicken. Everywhere he went, we called him Chicken Man. When I first moved to Canton, I haven't seen him in years there was Jesus man. There was a dude who walked around town in a robe. He looked like Jesus all the time. Now, he didn't speak like Jesus. He didn't smell like I imagined Jesus would smell. But they called him Jesus Man. I, I've seen a new character around Canton lately, and I call him Homeless Skateboarding Man. Has anybody seen Homeless Skateboarding Man? Yeah. He, he skateboards all over town pulling a suitcase. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. And that shows you that a whole other generation has come along. Now the homeless people are skateboarding champions, and it's awesome. I love characters. I love them. So I haven't got in a position where I can meet skateboarding homeless man yet because it's always when I'm driving, but I'm going to meet him soon. And that's the way this man, he was the character of the town. His name was Honey. And he had this uncanny ability to pray. And he specifically had this uncanny ability to pray for one thing, rain. And they literally 
looked to Honey as a last resort and said, it's time to go to this man and see if he can pray for God to bring rain. He was famous for it. He walked into the center of town, history books say. He took out his staff and he began to draw a circle in the sand. Once there was a circle in the sand, he got and he stood in the middle of the circle and he called out to God and said, I will not leave this circle until you bring rain. (laughs) Dangerous prayers. We're learning how to draw circles around our prayers. We're learning the fact that this book is full of dangerous prayers. We serve a big God, and he's worthy of big prayers. God is not intimidated by our biggest visions. God is not intimidated by our biggest dreams. God is not intimidated by our biggest desires. Matter of fact, God is pleased with those, and he wants us to come to him with our best, believing that he will move on our behalf. So many of our prayers are weak, timid, recited. Prayers we say that we throw up out of routine, or we throw up out of habit, or we throw up out of tradition, and we don't even need God to intercede on behalf of us because we can accomplish them on our own. If you're praying for something you can do on your own, you're insulting God. We need to call out to God and ask God for something so big, something so huge, something so dangerous, that the only way that it could happen is if God moves on our behalf. The first week we talked about, and if you missed that, you can go to actionchurch.tv. You can go to the app store to whatever they listen to, either iTunes store or whatever, and you can download that message. We talked about the importance of circles. Then last week we began to talk about some principles that we need to enact in our life once we get in the circle. And last week we talked about the principle, go big or go home. That once you step into that circle, man, you need to bring God your biggest request. And today, from the life of Honey, the circle maker, I want us to look at the second principle when we get in the circle. You got to pray through until you get a breakthrough. You got to pray through until you get a breakthrough. See, here's what's significant about Honey, the circle maker it's not just that he drew a circle. It's not just that he got in the circle and he called out to the creator of the universe and he asked them to bring rain when they were in the biggest drought of their life. I mean, Israel was in this drought. They'd been praying for rain for years. What was significant is, is once he got in the circle, once he began to throw out this big prayer request, what was significant to me, the second thing is this. He said, I'm not leaving until I get an answer. He didn't get in there and pray one time and say, I'm good. He got in there and he called out to God. He drew his circle in the sand and said, God, I believe you are the creator. I believe you're this one who spoke everything into existence. I believe you're the alpha and omega. I believe you're the one who answers prayer. And I'm not leaving until I get an answer. Three of you get that concept today. He didn't get in the circle to throw up some haphazard prayer. He was there to see God move on behalf of his people. He was all in. He was all out, sold out. 
There was no turning back. He stood in front of the city and said, I will not move. So guess what? He wasn't moving. (laughs) He knew Israel needed rain, and he knew God could supply it. So he began to pray. And history books tell us that when he began to pray, it began to mist, and it began to sprinkle. And the people got excited because they had not seen rain in years. Yet Honey didn't move from the circle. I'm paraphrasing here, but they say he looked up, and it's recorded that he looked up and said, I didn't pray for just a misting of thy favor. God, I'm praying for an outpouring of thy favor. And they said instantly it began to rain drops, and and the people who were there said the raindrops were the size of eggs. And they said it literally rained so hard that it began to flood, and the people had to scatter to go to the higher land. And they said they looked down, and there was honey. Still in the prayer circle. And he said, this is not the type of rain I'm praying for. He said, I'm praying for a steady rain. A nourishing rain. A rain that will revitalize a nation. A rain that the crops will be able to soak it up. And a rain that will fill the cisterns where where the animals can drink. He said, I'm not praying for a sprinkling and I'm not praying for a flooding. I'm praying for a rain that will save a nation. He didn't leave the circle. And they said, God began to send a rain that rained for days and began to replenish the land. (laughs) Here's the deal today. I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're asking God for. I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know what you're calling out to God for. I don't know what you're on your knees begging God to answer. I don't know the need in your life. I don't know the desires in your life. I don't know if you're praying for God to restore your marriage, if if you're praying for your children to come back to God, if you're praying for someone who's struggling with addiction. I don't know if you're praying financial prayers. I don't know if you're praying for career prayers. I don't know if you're praying for prayers of purpose. I don't know what you're praying for today but I do know this you got to pray through until you get a breakthrough someone asked me the other day they said I'm praying for this situation how long should I pray I said until you get an answer I said huh I said until you get an answer see that's our thing we pull out our pocket and throw up something quick to God and say you got it and God says, I want to know how bad you want it. He says, I want to know if you're calling out to me. I want to know if you're willing to get on your face. I want to know, is this something that's just passing, or is this something that you feel God's desire in you, and it's swelling up in you, and you're going to call out to God until he moves on your behalf, until you get an answer. Now, hear me out. I didn't say you'll get the answer you want. You just got to pray through till you get an answer. Now, you need to understand something. We need to understand the difference between praying for and praying through. Now, there's times I'm going to pray for somebody. They come to me and they ask, and I throw up a prayer for them, and I say, it's a sincere prayer, and I mean it, and I believe it, but I just got to be honest with you, I prayed for them and I'm done. But there's times in my life that God begins to move in my life and begins to spark something in me, and I know that this ain't something I need to pray for. It's something I need to pray through. I'm going to keep praying until I get an answer. I'm going to be like a broken record. I'm going to go over and over and over. 
We have a toddler in our house right now, and there's a movie. What's that movie? Moana, is that what it's called? Moana, is that the name of the movie? If I watch Moana one more time. I'm going to snap. It's on repeat. It and We get in the car, and we got to listen to the song. And when it ends, play again. I don't want to freaking play it again. But I play it again. And you know what's amazing about playing it all the time? What do I do? I walk around the house singing it all the time. We had company over last night, adults over last night. What can I say? You know, I'm just singing the song. It's in my head. You're welcome. I've never seen the movie. I don't want to see the movie. I finally watched the movie. It plays in the back, and it just, it plays through all the time. And when it plays through all the time, it begins to absorb in your body. And God says, there's times you need to come to me, and you need to keep praying over and over and over so it consumes you, so it moves you. So your prayer is not just something you're praying for, you're praying through. It's something that's swelling up inside of you because you're eating it, you're drinking it, you're sleeping it. You can't rest until you get an answer from God because it's consuming you. That's the type of prayers you get in a circle for. <laughs> now listen, every prayer is not like that. How many of you have been around me when I pray to bless the dinner? I, God bless this food and from our body, amen. Everybody says, I wasn't much prayer. I want my food hot. <laughs> I ain't praying a 15-minute prayer when the food's... It's, it's called the blessing. Let's bless the food. I ain't praying for sister so-and-so who's got cancer and brother so-and-so. It's time to listen. My granddaddy said, you give thanks after you eat. That way you know how much thanks to give. I mean, there's times you just throw up a quickie. Bam. Sometimes a quickie works. There's times you got to hunker down and pray through till you get a breakthrough. <laughs> there come situations that are so big and so huge that it takes a move of God. you got to intercede until God intervenes. I'm going to keep calling out. I'm believing you until God says, now I'm ready to move. Because make no mistake about it, God is always and on time, all the time, God. He's not, he doesn't work in our timing. There's a story in the Bible. I don't know that I think I've ever preached on this story before, to be honest with you. But I was reading it in my devotions a couple of weeks ago and kind of made a note, and I was like, man, that's a good story. And I love this story, and it's weird that I haven't ever preached on it. It's not one of my usual eight sermons that y'all say I have. But in Luke 18, the Bible says this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Here's what I dig about Jesus. He said, I'm about to throw some biblical truth on you. But I know you're going to forget the biblical truth, so I'm going to throw a story on you, if you will. Because you'll remember my story, and when you remember my story, you'll remember my principle. I say, why does Gary tell these stories? Because you won't remember, pray through till you get a breakthrough, but you'll remember the stories. Well, why do they play songs I hear on the radio that aren't Christian? 
First of all, I don't believe Christian versus secular. I believe it's all God's. We just choose to honor God with different things. And so we play music because I want you driving down the road on Monday. I want you sitting in that bumper-to-bumper traffic, and I want Bon Jovi to come on like the song today. And I want you to hear that sermon and be like, oh, I remember that time Gary preached on that sermon. You might not remember my sermon, but you'll remember the illustration. I'm not a good enough preacher for you to remember the sermon. But I'm good enough for you, the band's good enough for you to remember the song. And Jesus looked at him and said, let me tell you a story about always praying. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, sometimes you've got to bother God. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. He said, this lady is driving me nuts. He said, at the end of the day, I don't even care about her issue, but she's driving me batty. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? (laughs) It's a great story, man. It's called the story of the persistent widow. And it lays the foundation of you got to pray through to you get a breakthrough. This judge didn't care about people. He didn't care about anything. Yet the lady came to him so many times that he granted the request. And Jesus says, if the judge would do this, well, our God who actually cares about you and actually loves you and actually does care that you live out your best, Will he not come and answer your request and give you an answer if you continue to be consistent and realize that he, you want it so bad? It's an incredible principle. When we enter into the prayer circle, we need to learn that there's going to be times you've got to stay in the circle. You need to realize that sometimes the prayer circle is not going to be a five-minute circle. It's not going to be a three-day circle. The prayer circle is not a game. It is, sometimes, listen, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the prayer circle is a knocking until your knuckles are raw. It's a crying out to God until your voice is lost. It's a pleading until tears run down your face, and it's a not giving up till God moves type of prayer. <laughs> Gary! When do you know it's one of those type prayers? If you don't know, it's not one of those type prayers. (laughs) When I'm about to lose everything, it's one of those type prayers. When it involves my kids, it's one of those type prayers. When it involves my family and my marriage, it's one of those type prayers. When it involves my well-being and me living out my purpose in life, it's one of those type prayers. When it involves someone I love who keeps screwing up over and over and over, there's nothing you can do about it. It's one of those type prayers. If you don't know if it's one of those type prayers, baby, it ain't one of those type prayers. But the problem is, is when it is one of those type prayers, we have formed the habit of having a lackluster prayer life, and so we treat the big things like they're lackluster things, and we see lackluster results, and then we get mad and blame God. God's not the issue. Our prayer life is the issue. Sometimes you've got to pray through until you see a breakthrough. (laughs) We need to learn 
that as we pray through, God will come through. He might not come through in our way, but he'll come through in God's way, and God's way is always better. His ways are not our ways. There's times that things happen that we don't understand, but I can guarantee you, baby, you can take it to the bank down the road. It'll all make sense. There's been so many things in my life that God didn't answer the way I wanted him to answer. And today, I look back and I thank him every single day. God knows better than we know. Let's just be honest. We're selfish. Maybe you're not, but I am. Gary Lamb, king of being selfish. I think the entire world revolves around me. And I think God should be on my program. And then I justify it by thinking I'm on God's program. You think the biggest mistake we make is we ask God to get involved in our deal. Instead of asking God to help us get involved in his deal. Hmm. God, I need you to move where I'm at. And God says, I'm moving over here. Why don't you come join me? That's another sermon for another day. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And there's no more desperate act than praying through. When you step into that prayer circle because it was strong enough to build a circle around, that's when you throw caution to the wind and you begin to go bigger. You go home and you say, not only am I going big, I ain't leaving until I get an answer. There will come a time when you're praying where you'll defy protocol, you'll drop to your knees, and you'll begin to pray for the impossible. And when you're praying for that, it's during that time that you need to keep on praying. When you don't feel like God's moving, God's moving. God's lining up pieces you haven't even seen. He says in Isaiah, I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. You can't see around the bend, but God said, don't worry about it, I'm already up ahead. Come on. There'll come a time in your prayer life that it's so big and you're so ready to quit that it will be all that you have to muster every ounce of faith that you have to cling on to that little bit of hope because all that little bit of hope is all you got. And during that time, you'll pray through till you get a breakthrough. There'll come a time when you hit the end of your rope and it always becomes our last resort. Nothing we can do now but pray. Oh, well, that's some bad thing. When you get to the point there ain't nothing you can do but pray, that's when God says, welcome to the game. Now let's see it happen. We try to do everything on our own and use God as a last resort when God ought to be the first resort. The persistent widow, this was her moment. As you read the story, here's the thing. We don't know what injustice took place in her life. The Bible doesn't say. But we do know this. It was big enough in her life that it affected her enough that she wasn't taking no from the unjust judge. She knew he didn't care about people. She knew that he didn't care what people thought. But she knew, I'm going to keep on going to him every single day because eventually he's going to give me an answer. (laughs) This is what made her a circle maker. We don't know what the issue was. Maybe her son was falsely imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. I don't know. Maybe there was a man who did something to her daughter and he was roaming free in the town. Maybe someone had double-crossed her in a business deal. I don't know what it was she was going to the judge about, and I believe Jesus left it that way so we could insert whatever our thing is. But she said, I'm going to the judge, and to the judge gives me an answer. 
The judge knew. This lady's going to circle my house every single day until I give her an answer. I don't really care about her. I don't care about her issue. I'm a selfish prick, and I don't even care. But I'm sick of her driving me crazy. I'm sick of when I go out to eat, she's there asking. I'm sick of when I leave the house, she's there. I'm sick of when I'm in the office, she's there. I'm sick of when I go for my run every morning, she's running beside me saying, hey. He says, I'm going to answer the prayer. because I'm going to answer her request because she's just persistent. Then Jesus says, hey, this judge didn't care, but God does. God loves us, and God wants the best for us. Hey, if this judge will answer the persistence of the widow, how much more will our loving Father answer those who are persistent to him? The judge knew there was no quit in the widow, so he answered the request. The Bible says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. King James says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. I've been using this verse every week in this series. And the funny thing about this verse is it don't say how many times we need to go to God. He don't say, call out to me one time and I'll answer you. He don't say, call out to me two times and I'll answer you. He don't say, call out to me five times and I'll answer you. He says, call out to me. And he says, I will answer you. He don't say when he'll answer us. Because sometimes God wants to know, are you going to be persistent? You say you want your marriage to work, but you say it every time it gets bad. Do you mean it this time? You say you want to change, but you always want to change when everything's falling apart. Do you really want to change? You're praying for financial security, and God says, you don't even know how to operate finances. He says, well, keep calling out to me. Learn financial principles and you'll begin to be blessed. He says, call to me and I will answer thee. He don't say I might answer you. He don't say I'll think about answering you. He don't say if the stars align and I'm in a good mood, I'll answer you. He says, I will answer you, but he don't say when he'll answer us. He said, I want to see you pray through till you get a breakthrough. So I want to give you a few thoughts and we're going to get out of here. Christine, I got to get somewhere today. And again, I'm selfish and it's all about me. But a couple of things I see in the prayer here. First thing we got to do when we're praying through is we got to pray through with consistency. If you want to see God move, you got to learn that the key to praying is consistency. It's like we talked about two weeks ago. Remember we talked about Joshua and his men winning the battle of Jericho and how they didn't even have to fight, they just had to circle. And remember they had to circle so many times every day and they had to do it for seven days. On the seventh day they had to do something. Every day they got up when they didn't understand and they did what God told them to do. The next day, they got up when they didn't understand. And the next day, they got up when they didn't understand. And the next day, they got up. I think about day five, they were like, what are we doing? But they got up on day six and kept on doing. And on day seven, they got up and took it to the next level. And the walls fell, and they took over. Praying through is about circling your Jericho so many times that it might make you dizzy. It's about being consistent And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him. Grant me the justice against my adversary. She kept coming to him. She didn't come to him one time. She didn't come to him two times. She didn't keep coming to him ten times. She kept coming to him until she got her answer. 
Whatever it was was so important. Whatever it was was so vital. And again, I don't know what it is in your life, but I do know this. If it was my kid, I'd pray through every day. If it took me five years, I'd keep praying. If it took me six years, I'd keep praying. If it took me seven years, and people say, just give up, they're never going to change, I'd be like, I'm still praying. You say, you do that? You don't know me well, I'd do that. If it was my marriage, I'd keep on praying. And don't get me wrong, I've been there. And you get impatient, and you get frustrated, and you get ready to quit. And you're like, ah, no one's ever going to change. It's never. And you keep on praying. And you keep on praying. And what I've learned just when you're about to give up is when the breakthrough happens. But you've got to pray through when you're about to give up. You've got to keep praying when your tank's on empty. You've got to pray when you listen. It seems crazy. And people are like, it's never going to get better, and it's never going to change. And the devil's inside your head telling you. And you just say, man, I'm going to keep on praying. Got to be consistent in our prayers. We are an impatient society. Let me tell you how impatient we are. Christine and I have been eating healthy lately. She's losing weight and getting in shape, and I'm not. But I'm proud of her. I think God just knows I'm so sexy like this that if I was to lose weight and be in shape, the world couldn't handle it. I don't know that that's it. That's just what I tell myself. But this is how impatient we are. She's been getting these little vegetable steamer packs, you know what I mean? Two different steamer packs. One takes eight minutes to cook in the microwave, and one takes five. When she shows up with the eight-minute ones, I'm mad. Because I don't want to wait three more minutes for my broccoli that I don't even want in the first place. We're just impatient. We get mad. I bought some popcorn the other day in the microwave. Popcorn, I just... Whatever reason, I don't know what kind of popcorn I'm but it takes three minutes in the microwave. This one took four and a half. I was irritated. I took the whole box of popcorn and I threw it away. You say, you waste me. I don't care. I'm not waiting another minute and a half. I went to Ingalls. I bought the popcorn I wanted. You say, what did Christine say? Christine was out of town. She didn't know. I counted the change out where she wouldn't see I ran the debit card twice. Because we're impatient. We're impatient with our prayer life. We throw it up one or two times, and we think that's all it takes. And God says, I want you to pray consistently. <laughs> she didn't go to the judge a few times. She went to him until she got an answer. What she, what she was coming to the judge about was so important that she wanted the judge to know, I'm serious about this. You can say no today, and I'll be back tomorrow. And you can say no tomorrow, and I'll be back. And here's the thing. The funny thing was the judge wasn't saying no. He was just ignoring her. Just because you ain't hearing something don't mean God's saying No. He just wants to see how bad do you want it. How desperate are you for a miracle? Are you desperate enough to pray through the night and go without some sleep? Are you desperate enough that maybe it's so big that God's called you to fast? You say, what's fasting? Here's what fasting is. When you go without food, you can call anything else. It's a big thing in the church. You can fast from TV now. The Bible, the word fast means to abstain from food. So you can water it down. Maybe, maybe you decide you're going to fast a little bit because it's so huge. There's nothing harder than fasting. Someone said, how long should I fast? I don't know how big is what you're praying for. How to do a, how to do a sermon on fasting. <laughs> how many times are you willing to, to circle that promise until you give up? Are, are you willing to pray to the day you die, knowing that God's going to answer? How long are you going to knock on that door? How bad do you want what you're praying for? 
If you aren't desperate, you won't take desperate measures. And sometimes it just takes being desperate to get before God and begin to pray consistently. Before I moved to Canton, Georgia, 15, 16 years ago, I moved here to start a church. And I knew that I knew that I knew God wanted to do something big. And he did. Became one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And I thought that was what God wanted, but it really wasn't. Because he didn't care that it was known all over the country. He wanted a church that was going to impact the city. So he sent me to the ghetto, and we're impacting the city pretty good. But it's funny. I said, I need to pray. And I, first time ever in my life, I said, I need to fast. I'd never had fasted in my life. And I fasted 39 straight days. 39 days, no food. I didn't tell anybody I was fasting. Everybody thought I had cancer. I mean, I think I lost like 40 pounds. I was getting skinny, and you know. And I prayed, and, and, I, and I knew Jesus had prayed 40 days. And they tell you not to go over 40 days. I mean, it's when your body really gets bad. So I got to day 39. I was going to go to day 40, but I knew I'd get arrogant if I went 40 days. But I'm like, Jesus, because that's just how my mind works. So I stopped at 39 days. And you know the funny thing is I can tell you clear as day, clear as day. During that time, God revealed to me, he said, you will pastor the people that no one else wants. And you'll help those that have been forgotten. And you'll help those that are in need. And I remember that. And then I started the church that I pastored at that time, and I thought that was the church that was doing that. And it really wasn't. It was just the church that was the cool church. And it was the new thing in town, and it was, everybody started coming from all the other churches. And 15 years later now, it's funny. When we do stuff around here, I remember that 39 days of fasting. And I said, I told you 15 years ago this is what it would be. And I told you 15 years ago, you're going to go through hell. And I told you 15 years ago, people weren't going to understand it. But I'll bring the right people at the right time. Sometimes you just got to pray through till you get a breakthrough. 39 straight days. And I was still so stubborn that it took me 10 years later to get it. God wants to deliver in your life. God wants to break through in your life. But he's waiting for you to pray through. I'm just a piece of crap. I'm a nobody. Shut up. I'm so done coddling freaking people. I get on Facebook where everybody can tell me how. Shut up. God, you made me sick. Get on your face before God and begin to pray through. God, deliver me. God, humble me. God, make me what you want me to be. We try to do everything in our own power. Everything in our own power. Because I'm waiting for you to come to me. This place right here, it's a, listen, it's a God thing. I tell people all the time, this is the smallest church I've ever been involved in in my life. From a staff position to starting churches to what, this is the smallest one. Number-wise. And yet it's the most has to be God than anything I've ever done. Yeah. Heard somebody complaining this week to Chris, Gary's never down at the church anymore. Shut up. First of all, grow a set and come to me. But here's the deal. I'm not ever down here. I'm not going to come sit in a 32,000 square foot building by myself during the week. But I'm down here when I need to be. 
And God does amazing things down here. But here's the deal. You ain't ever seen the offerings around here. The light shouldn't be on today. The building shouldn't be here. We should have been thrown out a long, long time ago. I remember a few months ago going to our landlord. Hey, man, I'm so sorry. We're a few months behind. He's like, oh, are you? I said, yeah, man, we're like three months behind on rent. He's like, oh, I don't ever even look. I said, well, dang, I wish I'd have known that. I wouldn't even told you. We'd get like nine months behind before I came to you. He said, you'll get caught up. He said, you ain't ever got to worry about that. That's a God thing. This place is packed out. That's a God. This church don't do one set. We, in the five, seven years, I don't even know how long we've been. My wife says my dates never change. So we've been around set. I've been with her five years now. She put up with me for five years. I thought it had been like two. Like, this church has been around seven or eight years. You know that in eight years, we've probably spent maybe $100 advertising our church? We operated for three years without a sign on the building. Couldn't afford it. And it, it, What'd you say? Yeah, yeah, right. We can't even move it to the new side of the building. There's too much money. <laughs> yeah, people show up every week. Why? Because there's a group of people that pray consistently every Monday. I don't have any doubt about that. Every Monday they gather here and they pray. Probably about 10 of them. I don't even know if it's 10 of them. Every week they pray and they pray and they pray. And God just moves and he moves and he moves. We've got to learn to be consistent in our prayers. This place should not exist. Thank God he takes care of fools. Not only got to pray through with consistency, you got to pray through with intensity. But this woman is driving me crazy. Somebody say, man, we've had a woman like that before. Mm. Some of y'all are married to her right now. Don't you say amen. <laughs> this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out. There has got to be a sermon in there. She's driving me crazy and she is wearing me out with her constant request. <laughs> I like that phrase, she's wearing me out. Do you know that's actually, if you break it down in the original language, it's a boxing term. It, it just means that, man, you wear out your opponent. There's knockout artists, but knockout artists are always dangerous because they always got to rely on the big punch. The ones who make it and become greater are the ones, man, that, that learn how to wear their opponent out. Go to the body, go to the face, go to the chin, and just wear them out. There's sometimes in our life that our prayer life has got to be like a boxing match. It's like going 12 rounds with God. We're hauling out to God. We're screaming out to God. Paul said he had a, a thorn in the face. He said, I pleaded with God three times to take it from me. A boxing match. How many of my, one of my favorite movies of all, I should have showed this clip. Dang it, Xander, it's your fault I didn't think about it. How many ever seen the movie Apostle with Robert Duvall? And he's upstairs in that scene. If you ain't seen that movie, you need to go rent that movie. He's upstairs and he's praying to God. He's like, God, I call you God. You call me. He's mad as, mad as hell. God, he's raising Cain with him. And the spray, he's so loud, the neighbor calls. And his mom answers the phone in the middle of the night. What's that ruckus over there? And she says, that's Sonny. Sometimes he prays to God. Sometimes he fights with God. I think he's fighting tonight. Sometimes you got to fight with God. 
you got to wrestle with God. you got to grab a hold of God and say, I'm not letting you go to do you deliver my child. I'm not letting you go to you restore my marriage. I'm not letting go until you've helped me discover my purpose in life. I'm not letting you go to this addiction is taken from me. I'm not letting go to this hurt's taken from me. I'm calling out and I'm fighting and I'm keeping on going. you got to pray with intensity. Sometimes a heavyweight prayer can be excruciating. It can be exhausting. It can wear you out. And you just keep on praying. That's how the greatest prayer victories are won. Sometimes praying with intensity is more than words. There's times you're in that prayer closet. You can't even get the words out of your mouth, but you're calling out to God. It's blood. It's sweat. It's tears. It's like I said last week. You're praying like everything depends on God, but you're also working like everything depends on you. You know that without God, you're nothing. If you ain't been to where the fact that you're calling out to God and you can't even form the words in your mouth, but God knows the groanings in your spirit, then you ain't prayed through intensity and you ain't prayed through and no wonder you ain't getting a break through I didn't get a lot of claps on that you know why because many of us are too proud to do that we're what people think about us here's the funny thing if you're praying like you ought to be they ought to not know about it anyway you know you can pray through without putting it on social media stand close preacher Do you know you can pray without your child knowing you're praying? I'm going to let them know how hard I'm praying. That way I can guilt them. You ain't making them feel no better. You're just making them do whatever they're doing worse because now they feel bad that you're doing it and they're like, crap. So I'm going to handle with it. Best thing you can do is pray for your spouse and not love because they'll get resentful. They'll get mad. They're the one living in sin. They're the one not living right and you expect them to be moved by something supernatural? That angers them. I've been there, done that too. That woman prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed. I used to get mad. Don't pray for me. Don't send me Bible verses. A-hole. And then God began to move in my life. And then she mad because of how I was acting. So we reverse roles. I'm praying for her and I'm sending, don't send me that crap. I don't want to hear it. And then we just, she prayed through and I prayed through and all of a sudden there's a breakthrough and bam, everything. Not great, but everything's working. I didn't go to her every time I say I'm praying. She didn't know for months that I was getting up. I went to the prayer closet one day and there's a vacuum cleaner in it. I said, what's a vacuum cleaner doing in my prayer? You don't use that. I never, I said, I've been using that for three months. You don't even know it. Now here's the funny thing that when I got in the prayer closet three months before, all these things about me on the wall she wrote that I didn't know about. You don't always got to announce your prayers to everybody. Sometimes you just got to get in there and fight. I just need, I need Facebook for the encouragement and they help me get through. No, you don't. You need to feed your freaking ego. Trust me, Gary Lamb, king of it. You ain't fooling me. But you know the funny thing? I did learn and I don't learn much. When we was going through all that, I wasn't posting about it on Facebook. I wasn't posting about it on social media. I wasn't texting with all y'all about it. I was in a battle. And I was serious about the battle. And she was serious about the battle. And we was going to God with it. Mm -hmm. 
Check out Jesus, how intense he prays. And in being in anguish, it's right before he's about to give his life. Time, I told you I gotta get out of here. He prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Before Jesus gave our his life for us, he's in the garden praying. And you know what he's praying? God, if there's any other way, please let that happen. But not my will, thy will. And he's praying so intense that drops of blood are coming down his face. That's praying with intensity. I'm talking about your prayers. You're so intense you can't eat. You're praying so much that the tears, you're so dehydrated you can't even cry anymore. You're praying and you're calling to God. Now listen to me. Don't miss this. Every prayer is not that type of prayer. But when they are, you need to pray through till you get a breakthrough. You've got to pray through with intensity. <laughs> we have to pray through knowing who the judge is. This lady knew who was in charge. She knew who had the ability to grant her request. And that's why she went to him every day. <laughs> Just like when Honey the Circle Maker stepped inside that circle, the persistent widow's methodology was unorthodox, especially for a woman in this day and time. You didn't go to a judge in this day and time and harass him. But she knew who could give her the answer. She could have technically waited for whatever court date. It sounds like there was an injustice. There would have been a court date. But she knew, i got to go to the judge. Going to the personal residence of the judge crossed the line in this day and time. You can imagine what it did in that day and time. But the lady went to the judge's house because she knew who the judge was. <clears throat> when you're dealing with something... You need to know who the judge is. This goes back to what I said a minute ago. The judge ain't your friends. You don't always got to spread all your business everywhere. The judge ain't Facebook. You don't got to put your business out there for everybody. The judge ain't Instagram. You don't got to post your cute little memes and your little sayings. Because you ain't living them out anyway. Social media has made everyone philosopher hey addicts your judge ain't that group that meets next door and I think that group that meets next door is great but your judge is the living God the alpha and omega the beginning and the end the good physician the healer the creator the provider he's the shepherd he says I am that I am if you spend as much time going to God with your issue as you did everybody else, you might get delivered of your issue. You might get the answer you want. But you know what? You're right. You got it. You got it. And everyone knows you don't got it. Everyone else thinks you're a freaking joke. Everyone else knows you're headed right back down the path because you refuse to quit. You refuse to quit going to everybody and God says, just come to me. That's all you got to do. You got to know who to go to. I know some things in this town. I know that if I want the best piece of cheesecake in this town, I go to downtown kitchen. Every Friday I get a text, Nona, from an owner. Cheesecake tonight's bam. Cool. 
I know where to go get the best drinks in this town. I know where to go get the best barbecue. I know where to go listen to the best. I, I, I know things. And you know the same thing. It's not like you, I have some superpower that you don't have. But I don't go to downtown kitchen with my prayer requests. They tell me, I don't drink coffee, but they tell me the best place to go get coffee in Cherokee County now is in Holly Springs. Is that right? Is it in Holly Springs? Okay. She's here today, the owner of that place. That's my plug for today. So if you like coffee, go there. What's it called, Tony? Coffee Vineyard. But here's the deal. With all due respect to her, she seems like a godly lady. I'm not going to her with my prayer requests because she can't answer them. Now, she can get me all jacked up on some caffeine. That's what I need in my life. Maybe I'll start going there. You got to know who to go to for what you want. My dogs broke a window in my house the other day. They're wrestling, jumping all over the place. Guess what my wife knew? She knew you don't go to Gary to ask him to fix a window. Because I have no clue how to fix a window. I have no desire to fix a window. And the window could stay like that forever. I'd put a piece of cardboard in and call it good. She knew to call Kylie. Because Kylie messed up and said he had a day off from work. So on his day off from work, he came and fixed the window. You got to know who to go to for what you're asking for. And I'm telling you, man, there's times you need to realize the only person that can answer your request is God. The creator of the universe. You got to pray through till you get a breakthrough. Let's pray.